The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Hi, everybody. So a few months ago, I was in a class at my gym and a friend of mine comes up to me and says, hey, have you heard of BP Launchpad? I'm getting recruited by them. I hadn't, so I texted another friend of mine who works at BP to find out if he'd heard about it. No, nothing. Anyway, fast forward three months later, BP Launchpad has made its debut and is billing itself as a, quote, scale-up factory, taking innovations made in BP, putting them in this incubator to become standalone businesses and or business units of BP. The first to come out of Launchpad is a business called Lit. That's L-Y-T-T. Apparently, Lit stands for Listen in Norwegian. They describe it as sort of a Shazam for boreholes listening down the well to identify conditions and potential problems. This strategy of going after technologies to optimize operations is not unique to BP. It's definitely not alone in this. Most, if not all, oil majors are going all in on digital technologies to optimize operations and keep costs down. Exactly where they focus their attention and strategy seems to be influenced by the personalities of the companies themselves, or at least the execs in the companies. What do I mean by that? Well, we've brought in two BNF analysts to help us unpack that. We've got Claire Curry, who leads BNF's coverage of all things digital, along with Hannah Davenroy, who wrote the report we're going to talk about today, Digitalization Strategies of Oil Majors, published on June 19th. BNF clients can find this report via a quick search on BNF.com, the BNF mobile app, or BNF Go on Terminal. Please note that BNF does not provide investment or strategy advice, and you can hear the full disclaimer at the end of the show. I'm Mark Taylor, head of product for BNF, and you're listening to Switched On, the BNF podcast. Claire, Hannah, welcome. Hi. Hi, Mark. Thanks for coming in. Thanks so much for having us today. When I was reading this, I was thinking, why? You know, like, why does an oil company want to be a tech company? Should we just start there? Hannah, how about you? Sure, we can start there. I think oil companies are seeing the value of digital technologies in spaces like consumer, but there's a lot of disruption to their core business also. So you see oil companies diversifying into the power sector, and you see them wanting to shrink their cost of operating their core business. And one way that they're achieving this efficiency is by applying digital technologies to track data across their business operations. Mm -hmm. So an oil company will see places for improvement in, in their business and think that the collection of data through sensors, through comms networks, and through large aggregating platforms like cloud computing will actually enable them to make better business decisions about how to allocate uh, their capital and how to better manage their their operating costs. Does it seem like it's working? It's hard to say. I think oil companies are very much in the early stage of scaling digital projects mm-hmm. from proof of concept or pilot projects to their operations across the, their enterprise. Um, and I can't imagine it's a clean transition. No, especially since you have to remember that oil majors have hundreds of thousands of employees across many, many countries. And so coordinating these efforts on a culture level as well as sort of a a business organization level is quite difficult. Mm -hmm. So we see a lot of oil companies that are actually setting up new departments and teams, both within their core business, but also in their venture capital arms to encourage collaboration on this on on these digital technology projects Mm -hmm. um, across different types of 
their 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 employee groups. Is this more of a venture play for these oil companies now, or is it part of their core strategy? It's very much part of their core strategy. We track okay. how oil companies make their their venture investments, and in a lot of cases, especially with the European oil majors like BP and Shell, a lot of their focus has been on on diversifying into power assets. While they do make pretty substantial investments into digital startups, it seems like this is often to access the technology um, for, for pilot projects and then help these businesses have access to the, the domain knowledge, the oil assets, how the business operates um, in order to give them a better understanding of the industry. Innovation is really hard. You look at Google, right? Innovative tech company. They really struggle to spin out startups and spin out new technologies that really work. They've had a series of very public failures of just getting mm. innovation and new tech right. You think about like Exxon, BP, Shell, they have hundreds of thousands of employees. They're often lifers. Oil companies are very siloed. So you have the IT team does IT. The guys on the oil rigs are on an oil rig for a month. They don't speak. And what companies that Hannah's been writing about, like Equinor, so in um, kind of the North Sea, mm-hmm. have been trying to get those guys on the oil rig to become... IT people and they're doing sprints, they're doing scrums, they're doing things that like your product team knows well. They're beginning to spin out apps to put onto this cloud platform they've built. And it's the operations guys doing it and IT is kind of beginning to talk to them and support them. So it's actually really cool. It sounds slow and it's hard to measure benefits, but these are companies that are the biggest in the world, often the slowest, most old-fashioned. And they're actually doing some really interesting, innovative things. Uh, it's got to be so hard. It's got to be so hard because I find communication and getting adoption of new tech just in our small area of Bloomberg is hard. I can't imagine it could be any type of easy on an oil, you know, with all these guys on the oil rig. Especially because they have legacy systems, right? Some yeah. oil majors uh, will leave unnamed you know, uh, have one or two partners they do everything with. Uh-huh. And these traditional enterprise software companies are not innovating around digitalization, IoT, AI. And so if you're a big oil major, what do you do? You have this multi-million dollar contract with a big ERP company that served you well, but they're not doing what you want to do. Right. Do you rip them out? If you do, that that's huge. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how a company really changes so significantly their partnerships, which is kind of what some of these guys are thinking about doing. A slow breakup, huh? I know. Yeah. And hiring too, right? I mean, they're not the only ones doing this. How many companies are trying to hire a data scientist right now? Right, right. If you are a data scientist, you want to work at Google or Exxon in Texas. Well, that's like a different, maybe that's an easy choice to make. I don't know. But it means that it's hard to hire the right people, the right talent. Um, One thing that these oil majors struggle too is making sure that they are retaining the the technology and talent in-house. So you hire people that that may eventually leave, but you want to make sure that the people who are working on these projects will be able to sustain the scaling of the technology to completion. So, for example, BP, as Claire mentioned, has an interesting approach to this. They have set up an internal business group called BP Launchpad, and BP Launchpad's entire goal is to hire small teams, both externally and internally, to take promising technology and and scale it across the the company, as well as start to commercialize this technology and sell it to its peers, which is an interesting approach because you see oil companies that are very protective of their uh, intellectual property and of the data that they collect and what they end up doing with that data. Obviously, if you are able to uh, achieve big efficiency gains through these digital projects, that is very valuable to your business and you might not want to share that with your peers. 
But we also see that commercializing technology is a way to scale it across across the business. So is their goal in sharing it with their peers getting better data to make their, themselves more efficient? Or is it just simply a revenue stream? A lot of it's um, <laughs> marketing and comms, I think. Okay. Maybe this is me being cynical. I think a lot of this stuff is if you're a big oil major... There's a lot of disruption, as Hannah said. You're dealing with thinking about going into power. You're dealing with a, maybe the threat of electric vehicles, with mm-hmm. regulation, emissions, and so forth. A lot of the really big companies, I think, are thinking about it like, this is great PR. We are doing something new, innovative. We're using AI. Every partnership we announce with Google gets tons of hits. We love talking about this at conferences. Our CEO now can go and talk about this new thing we're doing. And it gives us a view of it just makes people feel like we're doing something new and even innovative. And if it helps to reduce safety concerns, right, which a lot of this stuff is about safety of the men and women who work for them. A lot of it's about CO2 emissions and tracking that better. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's about completing wells faster, which is an environmental bonus. So that's my cynical opinion. I think Hannah would probably is a bit more positive about their views. But I think, I mean, I guess you wrote about it. Well, it sounds to me like it's also definitely revenue streams, maybe marketing within peer groups. And a way to engage more with customers who are using your downstream products. So we see a lot of the outward-facing technology that oil majors are developing in the form of mobile apps that allow them to communicate better with their customers to track retail sales at their at their petrol stations. Mm -hmm. Um, And that type of data collection and point of communication with their customers is something that they see as as very valuable. Both consumers like you or I who would drive drive our cars to a gas station. I don't have a car. (laughs) Me neither, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Or their their larger commercial customers uh, like in in maritime applications. So another example of this is Shell has recently spun out an application for its maritime customers called AccuPort that forecasts lubricant needs for ships entering and exiting ports so that they can better better organize their supply chain to meet the needs of their customers where their customers are and when they need that lubricant. So it'll be waiting for them when when they dock? Exactly. Pretty cool. So if the oil companies can become tech companies, why is this not spreading into other areas like utilities? We're still trying to work that out. I think my gut is utilities don't see themselves as tech firms. Mm. I mean, potted history, the oil sector, the oil companies were technology companies until about a decade ago due to, I imagine, oil price crashes and consolidation. Mm-hmm. A lot of them basically said, okay, we're not going to own a tech. We just want Baker Hughes or Halliburton or Schlumberger to own this for us. So now a lot of them actually really, they own the oil field and they have employees and they kind of have the name of whatever it is. But actually the technology of the exploration and the digging up of the commodity is actually on the oil field services companies. So I think a lot of these big oil majors still see themselves as tech firms because they were historically, they're now not so much, they're more asset owners now. And traders. I mean, Shell, most of Shell's business is now selling stuff. It's not exploring. It's not any technology. It's really transporting it to a gas station or selling to shipping companies. And so they see those tech firms, a lot of them, I think, have adopted scientists anyway, because they still like the idea of doing kind of geoscience stuff. Utilities are smaller businesses. If you're a utility that has 20,000 employees, you're not going to, as opposed to 100,000 employees, right, you're right. probably not going to be thinking about this. Also, utilities outsource so much. I mean, they really don't I, mean, I don't want to diss them. I don't think really like a grid owner necessarily knows as much as like a Schneider Electric might do about their grid. But And I'll give a little bit of a different perspective. I think oil companies also have experience working with multiple partners at the same time. So if you're doing an offshore project, you might have 50 to 100 
different companies that are working with you on the execution of that project. Everything from food services to the technology firm that's providing your underwater vehicle services. But I think organizing all of these companies to orchestrate a large project is something that oil companies have a um, a big advantage here. And and utilities may catch up in this project organization and uh, relationship organization, especially with lots of small startup vendors. Uh, but oil companies have had the advantage there for, for a long time. At what point do oil companies buy the startup that they're working with? Or how often does that happen? Or do we, they use, leave them as vendors? Or We haven't seen that much. We haven't seen it much. Okay. Shell has bought up a couple of like distributed energy companies on the uh-huh. power side. But with tech and oil, it's kind of interesting. I think a lot of oil startups are very specific. So mm-hmm. they're not doing general AI. They're doing AI on this one thing that tends to fail on offshore rigs in the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> um, so it, as Hannah was saying, a lot of oil companies are very, spe- a lot of oil service providers are very specialist. Sure. So if you are opening up a new well in West Texas, you know who to go to for each of the things. There's no one guy that's going to do everything for you. Mm-hmm. I think it seems to be similar with startups. So BP might work with, I mean, Kelvin AI, for instance, on a particular field um, that's interesting for them to do AI predictive maintenance on. They might never work with them again because a lot of the fields are somewhere else. I don't know if there's a regional play to it too. I also don't think the VCs or oil companies go for acquisition necessarily. But I mean, do you have a different view on that, Hannah? No, I think you're right that that's not something we see a lot of. Oil companies have focused a lot on building out incubation centers for startups that they find promising. But often that's to access their technology not um, as a separate company, not to not to acquire them, I think is what we've seen. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the PR for a second. So AWS, Microsoft Azure, Google Cloud, right? They are building themselves as green, you know, moving us into the future, powering their data centers with wind and solar, yet they are helping all these oil companies pump more oil. So is their is their cred intact? Yeah, this is a great question because we've actually been having some conversations with some some clients about this who want to know how much, yeah, how much is what they're doing greenwash and if AWS or Microsoft really wants to push into renewables for for powering their data centers. Mm-hmm. But they're using the data centers, which is their cloud computing, to help ex- find more oil. Like, what is what is going on there? And right. how are they communicating that in a PR way? They're not. We actually, I mean, Hannah shared with me an article what, a month or two ago now that kind of is slamming AWS because at their big conferences, they say oil is our major target as an industry. Now, we're moving away from consumer. We kind of got consumer and retail down. They're a huge market share mm-hmm. owner. When we move into industry, oil makes sense for us. This is what we're going to pursue. They're hiring. I mean, the head of Google Cloud for energy is an XBP guy. Mm-hmm. They're hiring people from industry. But yet, you don't see that much in their comms and PR. You see a lot of the stuff around renewables, procurement. I guess they're, they're also a many-headed company who can sure. believe a lot of things at the same time, and that's probably okay. Everyone's like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you think, Anna. Oil companies have had some of the largest supercomputers commercially in the world for years and years and years. So this is the, the compute power that they require and the, and the data storage that they require, especially for the seismic exploration data that they acquire, is the, the needs are very large. So this is, I, I think, cloud computing 
will be the way that these companies fill that need eventually and are moving in that direction. And quite frankly, if AWS, Microsoft and and Google don't serve these industries, someone else will. Mm -hmm. And because of the amount of data that they need and the compute power that they need, it's a very large opportunity for for these cloud computing companies. And actually, they found power pretty hard. A lot of startups and a lot of Big tech firms look at the utilities first because power is under a lot more strain from just general market circumstances, renewables, etc. But regulation has really been a stymie. I mean, in the US, utilities can't pay for cloud computing and rate base it. By that, I mean they can't oh. make a return on the investment. Right. If they buy their own data center and build it themselves, they can make a return on that. Super expensive for them to do. And also, they, why would they hire people to do that? It's just not their business. Mm-hmm. If they buy... Um, computing capacity from Microsoft, they don't get any return on that. They can do it, obviously, but for their shareholders, it's not a good investment. Um, The same with working with some startups on software. They can't rebase any software. And that's been, they say, that's been a big barrier. There is some, we actually wrote about this last year, there are some states looking at trying to change that in the US, but oil companies aren't really hindered by Mm -hmm. regulation in that sense. They don't have a rate base. Completely. Yeah. I would love to talk about policy because some of the stuff that Hannah's found out in her report is really interesting about how policy has been a driver for innovation in oil, not on the regulation side, or actually on the regulation side, I guess, with Equinor, but but especially thinking about China, for instance. Can you share a little bit about kind of what Cinepec's doing and how Chinese policy has really impacted their strategy? Sure. So in China, the government is very interested in industrial technology and using some of the technologies like AI that it's developed in other domains and making sure that spreads to some of its valuable businesses. So Cinepec has actually partnered with Huawei in China to develop a manufacturing platform, an an industrial Internet of Things based manufacturing platform. And it hopes to sell that platform to other manufacturing industries. So like refining, which is Cinepec's main business, Mm -hmm. but other manufacturers as well in order to, to spread that technology. So China actually identifies market leaders in specific industries and mandates that they develop this technology that that then they can disseminate to other other companies, uh, including their competitors. Do you see that elsewhere? Is it just China? Well, so so I mentioned Equinor earlier. I mean, in a way, the, the government in Norway has also been pushing a little bit around environmental regulation, pushing um, Equinor to begin to think about sharing its data or publishing its data. So Equinor actually dumped basically on the internet every single data point it has from its fields in a way that people can use. Um, and they then built this IoT platform. And I think regulation played a, a part there. And they are beginning, well, I don't know. I mean, we think they will begin to try and push peers to share too and to maybe even use their platform. That's It's not entirely clear what their strategy is there, but it sounds like that could be something that is regulation-driven. And definitely the point on data sharing is really important because oil companies have kept their data very, very close to the core of their business for a long time. Um, as I mentioned, it's very valuable. But there's an increased awareness that actually sharing data across different different companies or uh, different fields might actually illuminate m- more patterns and really enable more efficiency when you're doing something like drilling in the North Sea. So if you have data from Equinor and, and Shell on their experience drilling and, and producing oil there, um, being able to integrate that and then um, 
use that data to, to build your own models of what the subsurface looks like or what production conditions look like, mm-hmm. that's very valuable. And Equinor definitely has been on the forefront of opening its its field data up to the public and to researchers and to its competitors even. Um, and I think we expect that that will continue, that there will be data exchanges and more shared use of technology, uh, both data and algorithms in the future. Future when? Future this year, next year, five years? First, the oil companies need to organize their data. Maybe maybe five years. There's, a, there's an interesting trend that's a bit... Utilities and oil companies are similar in a way in that often they react to market conditions. And what we've seen in utilities is the most forward-thinking utilities around digitalization are your NLs, NGs, mm-hmm. who are in Europe. They have a lot of solar, a lot of wind, a lot of customer churn, rooftop solar things, and regulation. And they're the ones that are really saying, we have to do this tech because if we don't, we're kind of screwed. And mm-hmm. with oil, we've seen like the shale revolution in the US and a huge rush of small companies that are pretty interesting um, oil companies moving into Texas, for instance, and beginning to think, how do we get shale out of the ground quicker? The amazing technology um, revolution in the last 20 odd years or 15 years has been the shale revolution. And what we've seen is digital technologies be adopted by those companies first. Exxon, slow moving, big company, they're adopting cloud computing and Microsoft, but in their shale fields, particularly. So there's some companies who are doing more revolutionary stuff around tech in the areas that need it most, which is shale um, right now. Um, and to, to Hannah's point there, I think we're going to see data sharing there first. We're already beginning to see companies, small companies, trying to get data shared across shale fields, trying to use maybe blockchain or some form of distributed ledger to help companies securely upload data, to sell data, mm-hmm. to have this platform and this environment that for now may only be in Texas, um, because that's where it's needed, because all these wells, they just need to share so much data about what's going on, because it's confusing. Every well is different. There's no conventional understanding. Geoscience doesn't really work there. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting. So I think, yes, now for data sharing for maybe areas that need it, but areas where like where Equinor is or in the Gulf of Mexico or in the, somewhere else where one company owns the entire yeah. mileage, maybe not so much. And And a key follow to that is that greenfield projects will inherently have more technology and the most updated sensors and communication uh, gateways built in. And so we see that greenfield projects are often equipped with a lot more data gathering capa- uh, capability mm-hmm. than, you know, th- the cost of retrofitting an oil rig with sensors and and communication networks. It's very expensive. So we definitely expect that the digital technology will follow the process and more hardware technology that Claire was mentioning, especially around shale. What is the one thing that uh, you'd like readers to take away from this report? I think for oil majors, digital is no longer a function that's just shoved away into the IT business groups, that it's become a, a huge strategic priority for executives at these oil companies to make sure that technology is spreading from their upstream through their downstream operations, that they're able to integrate these pilot projects and proof of concept projects that they have developed over the last several years and able to integrate that into a larger enterprise-wide strategy. So we see a lot of companies that are partnering with cloud company or cloud computing companies in order to achieve that. But we also see a lot of internal 
uh, reorganization around around the digital topic. Do you feel like this is defensive or offensive to keep up with the times or to get ahead of the curve? Depends on the company that you're talking about. There are certainly certainly companies like Equinor and BP are using this as a way to um, really get ahead of their peers. Hmm. Um, and then you see other companies who are a li- maybe a little bit more cautious with the technologies that they're adopting, not looking quite as far in the future uh, and adopting more mature technologies. We see those companies as trying to keep up with their their peers and adopt what's available today instead of thinking uh, further down the line. What I would say is, please read this report. Whoever <laughs> is listening to this who has been a subscription, it's really cool. There's an amazing, um, with something we're trying out as a team is to think about how you um, judge company strategy. The key takeaway for me of this report is every oil company is different. Mm. Personality of the oil company matters massively. They're very top-down managed. So personality of the CEO, for instance, as, as small a thing as that, could truly direct the way a company goes. We've seen that with BP and Exxon through the years. This report quantifies, and in a way, the strategy of every company and shows that every oil company could go about things entirely differently and it's still not be the wrong way. They could entirely outsource everything and it could be great. Or they could insource everything, hire a ton of data scientists, build out entire new apps and technologies and actually lose their way. Or, or it could be great. I mean, mm-hmm. so the way we've tried to build this is a strategy mapper tool kind of helps readers see where each of these majors are and where they could go. And we, we stop short of giving advice, but I think it's a really nice way of trying to illustrate how personality makes a difference. Anna, Claire, thanks for joining us. That was really fun. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Very fun. Thanks, Mark. Bloomberg NEF is a service provided by Bloomberg Finance LP and its affiliates. This recording does not constitute, nor should it be construed as, investment advice, investment recommendations, or a recommendation as to an investment or other strategy. Bloomberg NEF should not be considered as information sufficient upon which to base an investment decision. Neither Bloomberg Finance LP nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in this recording, and any liability as a result of this recording is expressly disclaimed. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.